You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. We are continuing on in the series today called Piercing the Darkness, focused on the book of Romans. And last week, we began to address the element inside the book of Romans on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to continue that today. And so we're going to read a section that comes out of Romans chapter 12. Would everybody re- uh, stand for me with me for the reading of the word? We're going to read a short portion of this uh, segment, verses 3 through 8. Let's begin. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body." And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, Holy Spirit, we pray that as we study you and your activity that you have been sent to do among us and through us, that our hearts and our minds will be open to growing and developing, and we give you permission to change anything in us that needs changed. We recognize that our transformation process is ongoing. So work with where we are. And take us to where we need to go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. You can be seated. So we've been looking at the series of Romans. And there's a variety of topics that are inside the book of Romans. And right now we're talking about the topic, uh, the Holy Spirit, inside that particular book. But I want to back up and just share a couple intro thoughts that I did last week when I started this segment on the Holy Spirit. During dark times, some things become more, more of a necessity than at other times. Why? Because there can be a lot of qualities that we have in our life, but dark times and difficult times can cause us to have to lean into certain qualities in our life more than we've been leaning into those particular qualities. And sometimes it's just to survive, sometimes it's just to get through it, but we lean into those particular things. But the other side of this, I would tell you, is here's a hazard in those dark times. We must also be careful that we don't project onto God promises he didn't make. Sometimes in our pain, in our suffering, sometimes in the darkness that befalls our life, we can put on God promises that he didn't make. And it's all done, listen, it's all done with good intention. But it can lead to further disillusionment because how many know, uh, if I have a false expectation of God, he's not obligated to deliver. 
And so then we get more disillusioned because we figure we think God's let us down. But we may have started with something that God said, I never, I never made that promise. And so I'm going to give you an example of this as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit. There's one particular verse that pops up every uh, once in a while, and somebody will ask me about, you know, how do you feel about this? And I always start off with my answer is this. Everybody say that with me up there. Text. I say, I hear, you, I hear the verse that you're quoting to me, but can we put that in context? And they go, what do you mean? I say, well, I, just what I said. Can we put it in context? And here's the verse that's often referred to uh, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. This is an example of a, of, a, of a verse that needs context for us to get the right understanding. It says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. It makes it sound like that if you have certain gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they'll never be taken from you. And I go, that's not true. Go into the Old Testament. You'll see it. People messed up, and they didn't repent, and God took their anointing from them, and they lost their call, and they lost their giftings. And some will say, well, yeah, but this is the New Testament. What do you do with that? I said, how about we put it in the context that it was written? How about we back it up, and let's get all the verses that go with this? And you'll find this is a classic example of how we see something and it maybe doesn't mean what we thought it meant. So here we go. We're going to back this all the way up into verse 25. Okay, That's where this, the, the storyline of that verse begins. Now follow along. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery. So he said, oh, there's a mystery. How many love a good mystery? Hey, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery. What is this mystery? Brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Oh, Israel has experienced a hardening in part because the full number of the Gentiles has come in, or until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins." As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. So let me stop right there. In essence, what Paul is saying was the gospel was brought to the Jewish people first. They rebuffed it. They turned away from it. So God took the gospel to the Gentiles, which produced a hardening of hearts in the Jewish people. And God's just saying, listen, until the fullness of time among the Gentiles is fulfilled, the Jewish people will not be repenting of their sins. They won't be turning to Jesus, the Messiah. So he says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. He's saying they don't want the gospel. They consider it poison. They, can, they consider it a, 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 a message that is not true. They think we have fallen under a spell. Look at this. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. God said the Jewish people were his chosen people. What does that mean? He told Abraham, you see the stars, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. You see the sand, your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of sand. And then God goes on and tells Abraham this, those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. God says, if they come after you, they will suffer the consequences. But if they bless you, I'll bless you. I'll bless them. And what God is saying is there, that's my call. And he says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He's saying the plan that I have for the Jewish people and the plan that I have for the Gentiles is not up for grabs. 
The fullness of time is now being fulfilled among the Gentiles. And all the Gentiles in the bridge said amen. Amen. Yeah, that's us. But he says one day when the time is full among the Gentiles, the Jewish people will have their hearts softened and they will turn to the Messiah. The one that they don't think is the Messiah, they will finally come to realize that is the Messiah. And then he goes on to say this. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. He says, because they rebuffed the gospel, he says, I brought it to you. But the only reason that you're receiving it was in your disobedience, I was merciful. I didn't take you out. How many are grateful for that? Thank you for letting me breathe. But he says, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. God says, I'm being merciful to them the way I was merciful to you. I'm letting them live because one day they will turn. They will come back to me. And they will recognize that Jesus was my son and that he is the Messiah that they have been waiting for for so long. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that they may have mercy on them all. So God is saying, listen, and by the way, you go into Romans and earlier on, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? We've all been disobedient, therefore we're all the recipients of God's mercy. And everybody said amen to that. So you can see the verse has nothing to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's about his gift and his call on Israel, the Jewish people. Everybody got that? You can see how people, it it would be so easy just to lift that and take it into the world of the gifts of the Spirit. I get it. But it's a totally different storyline when you put that verse in the context of what Paul was writing. It's completely different. And so that's why I say it's very important for us, okay, to pay attention to the context of what's happening so that, listen, when I call on God, I know what he promised, and then I don't start putting stuff on him he didn't say. So let's get, I, I got to go back to the introduction now. You ready? Okay. This is where we shift gears and now we're back into the introduction. But that was an example of why it's important to pay attention to the text. Given the context of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, or when he wrote it, it shouldn't come as a surprise he frequently referenced the Holy Spirit. He's living in, he's living in a pagan culture. It's bad and it's about to get even worse. He is watching evil. Not only rule the day, evil is on a trajectory to even do worse than what is currently happening. And so it's no wonder that he writes on the Holy Spirit. In fact, he mentions the Holy Spirit 31 times. When you're dealing with evil spirits, you better have a Holy Spirit. That's the counter, okay? Sometimes we get caught up in the flesh and blood mentality. No, it's the evil spirits that are manipulating people. And you need to come against those dark forces. So, here's what I want you to take on today. These next couple of comments. Have you, as I've read the scripture, sometimes I thought, you know, I could really give Paul some instructions on how to write better. Okay, here's my thought. Couldn't you just condense all your writings on the Holy Spirit into one book? You know, wouldn't it have been easy just to have the book of the Holy Spirit? And there's every verse and every teaching and, you know, just lay it out for us. Wouldn't that have been a lot easier for us? Instead, you got to read every book that he wrote. And what you notice is, is he salts his teaching with the Holy Spirit. 
So it's in every book that he wrote, but you got to go to every book and you got to pull it out to compile the big picture. And I'm like, you know, it would have been nice if you just did a condensed version. Give us some cliff notes. So it does. It, it takes some work on our part, some effort. And so we're going to be doing that today. So let me tell you what I'm going to do today. Instead of going verse by verse what we read today, I'm going to do that next week. But you say, well, then why did we read that text? We're going to look at the verbiage, the gifts of the Spirit. What's the big picture on the gifts of the Spirit? So that we have the outlay of how, what, what role do I have in this? Because some Pentecostals think you just stand there and you open your mouth and you, and you just wait on God. Can I tell you, you get some skin in the game too. It's both. It's the activity of the Holy Spirit coming to you, but it's also your response to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a tandem. It's a relationship. You have to do some things. We're going to look at what Paul has to say. So here's a couple other things. When you combine these verses on the Holy Spirit, it gives a very interesting picture. And like I said, we have to go outside the book of Romans today to get this complete picture. But here's what my challenge is for you today. Are, are you ready for a challenge? Sometimes, as soon as somebody says, I'm going to speak on the Holy Spirit, all this, all this baggage comes up. I remember this conference. I remember as a kid. I remember as a can. I remember this one pastor. I remember this one evangelist. I remember. And consequently, we are more in today. We believe more today about what our history is than what the Bible teaches. Listen to people. They, it's more about, the, it's the stories they tell you on why or why not. Instead of, hey, I need, just need to go. So here's my challenge to you today. Do you, you do know that the Roman Christians, when they received the book of, of Romans, they didn't have any history of the Holy Spirit. They were being taught for the first time. So here's my challenge. What would your theology look like if you were hearing this for the first time and didn't have the baggage of your past experiences? Ooh. What if, okay, no, no prior good or bad, just clear the slate. You're in Rome. You receive the book of Romans. And the only thing that you know about the Holy Spirit is what the Apostle Paul wrote. What would your belief then be now? Without getting into all these other side issues and stories and I read a book and I know a friend and I remember as a kid and my mom, my dad, I used to have a pastor, I had an evangelist. Because the reason I put that up there is sometimes people will say, where do you get all this stuff? How do you do that? I say, the first thing I do is I pray that God would give me an innocent view of the scriptures. What do I mean by that? I've got a lot of history inside the faith, personally. I was raised a preacher's kid. Okay. Sometimes the best prayer I can say is that. God help me to understand what this meant to people who read it for the first time. I don't want to interpret it in light of being a preacher's kid. I don't want to interpret it in light of a church camp experience. I don't want to interpret it in light of going to a youth camp. I don't want to interpret it in light of that I went to Bible college, a seminary, I've got my degree. I just, what, what would my view be if I was just reading this for the first time as a fresh Christian? 
what would my belief system be if it was that? See, that's where you suddenly go, oh, yeah, I guess maybe it can't really have its effect on me until I take that mindset because that's who it was written to. Everybody with me? So I'm asking you to set aside what you know, not for the sake of manipulation, but for the sake of authenticity. How about you become a first century Roman Christian who's been told, Paul just wrote us a letter, get to the church, they're going to read it. He's answering all of our questions today. Ah, everybody said amen? All right, so we're going to give you six things today. Here we go. One, everybody read it. We are to learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go outside the book of Romans, and we're going to look at what does Paul say about our involvement, my will in relationship to these gifts of the Spirit. Number one, he says that we're to learn. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So number one is this. I'm I'm in disobedience if I avoid learning. If I have this mentality, if I don't know, I can't be held responsible. So I'll just skip that. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. Paul says, um, I'm actually charging you to take the time to go figure out what it's all about. Learn it, read it, study it. Uninformed is not an option as a follower of Christ. Learn what the Bible has to say. By the way, that's no different than many of you parents. Okay, you leave a note with a list for your kids to do so that when they get home, I want you to read the list or, and do what's on the list. You come home, none of it's done. And so you call them in and say, uh, excuse me, did you see the list? Yeah. Did you read it? No. Why? Because I knew if I read it, I would be responsible. (laughs) But if I don't read it, then I'm not responsible. Technically, you can't say I disobeyed you. I didn't read it. How many parents are going to have a come to meeting with Jesus moment right there? (laughs) So he is right. You knew. So how many know as a parent you're going to go, uh, that's not a valid excuse? There's Christians who do that with the gifts of the Spirit. And they think they get it. Paul says, uh-uh, do not be uninformed. Learn it. Secondly, he says, number two, read it out loud with me. We are to eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Does it say that you are to desire? What does it say? Eagerly. How many know that's a game changer? Eagerly means excited, looking forward. And, you know, when you say something three times, you're trying to make a point. So basically, he knows that they're sort of reserved towards this. And he says, no, I'm not telling you to put your toe in the water to decide if you like it. I'm telling you to get excited, to like it, to want it, to be eager. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel at those that build up the church. So not only am I to be informed, I'm to be excited about it. 
Come on, you know what it's like to sit at the table with your kids and they say, I don't particularly like it and you've worked all day in the kitchen and you say, you're going to sit there, you're going to like it, and you're going to love it. You're not going to rebuff my meal after how hard I worked on this all day. You, you're sitting in front of a, a, a wonderful meal. Don't make me force feed you. <laughs> yeah. So we, we sometimes in American Christianity think there's some optional equipment inside of Christianity. And then you go to the Bible and you find out it's not necessarily optional. He says, no, it's not option. You need this. You need to be eager to do this. Number three, read it out loud. Spiritual gifts make us stronger in Romans 1, verse 11. We're coming back to Romans now. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Wow. So I don't get everything I need at salvation. I can be saved and be weak. I can be saved and be vulnerable. I can be saved and not adequate for what's in front of me. It doesn't jeopardize my salvation, but it makes me vulnerable to the tactics of the enemy. I need to be saved and I need to be strong. Because if you think the enemy is going to take your salvation you know, laying down like, oh, well, they accepted Jesus, let's move on. Ah, uh, no. By the way, the Greek word there is sterizo. It's where we get our English word steroids. I want to say so bad that accepting the Holy Spirit is putting your Christian walk on steroids. <laughs> but that would, that would be a stretch. But it's saying that it makes you stable, it makes you firm, it makes you strong. I'm going to digress a second. Did you know that on every continent in the world, that Christianity is growing? It's, it's exploding in every continent except North America. Wow. How did that happen? I come back to this. We've been trying to do Christianity for decades without the Holy Spirit. How are we doing? Take a pulse on culture. Does it look like culture's uh, stalling out and is about to turn the corner and come back to Jesus? I don't see it. I'm not being negative, but I, I don't see the negative momentum stalling out. It looks like the negative momentum is picking up. But yet we are convinced that we can win this thing in the flesh and blood. And I'm going, no, we've been trying that for decades. It's going, the, it's going the wrong way. I think it's time to go, okay, we've tried this whole thing without the activity of the Holy Spirit. We've tried this with the, of the Holy Spirit being viewed as optional equipment. It's not working. Why? Because the only way that you can take a swing at an evil spirit is with the Holy Spirit. And I know that makes people uncomfortable. But again, I come back to, so how's it going in your world? 
How's it going in your culture? How's it going in our state? How's it going in our nation? How is it, how's it going? How far do we go before we say, you know what? We might could use the power of the Holy Spirit. Because just like Paul was saying, he said in his day, Rome's powerful. If you're going to live for God in Rome, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. I would make the case, we don't live in Jerusalem. We don't have Christian holidays hardly anymore. We don't have, you know, the, the whole calendar doesn't flow around the temple. We live in Rome. I'd love to live in a Jerusalem where the temple is the center of culture. And everybody acknowledges the value and the purposes and all that it does and all the holidays are connected. I'd love that, but we don't live there anymore. So then it becomes, so how do I live this life? Power of the Holy Spirit. Because drug addicts need more than a pep talk. Drunks need more than a pep talk. People who are losing their sexual identity to all this political correctness, they need more than a pep talk. They need an encounter with a God who has power to help them change. And everybody, okay, I was good, but I got a half of you on board. I heard about half of you. Let me process this. That's all right. You stay here long enough. I'll keep preaching at you. (laughs) Number four, read it out loud. God uses people... He uses people to facilitate our gifts. Notice what, this, this is a part of Scripture that might make you uncomfortable, but again, it's not just in this passage or other passages, but he said, I long to see, see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Paul says he has the ability to impart gifts. Now you go, well, he's the Apostle Paul. But it's all through the Scriptures it says that they would lay hands on people and pray. There's, there's, in Christianity, there's this ability that God uses people around you, and what God is doing in them, God says they have the ability to impart that to you. So what does that look like? Well, you see it all through the Old Testament. Elisha said to Elijah, I want what you have, but I want twice as much. You see it all through the Scriptures. Moses commissioned Joshua. His, his protege to follow up, to continue, to lead the children of Israel. You see it all through scriptures. They would, they would impart that to the kings when they would come. They were required as a king to read the entire scripture of their day. That was part of the role. They wanted the king familiar with the scriptures and the laws of God. This impartation, laying hands on one another. We see it when we call people to certain roles in ministries. We do that with our pastoral team. When they got light, when they were certified, then licensed, ordained, there was that time where we would go and we laid hands on them because we believe this, that God has the ability to awaken gifts in us that we may not have needed last month, but this month I need them. Because life changes. You know what I've noticed? The best way for people to become convinced that God heals is let them have something in their family that the medical profession has no cure for. All of a sudden, divine healing is an option. Let God heal somebody in their family when they said God doesn't heal, and all of a sudden they're a believer. Not because of some scriptural exegesis, but they go, all I know is my family member was supposed to die. 
And what was killing them is gone. And nobody touched them. That'll make a believer out of anybody. Amen? So he says in part means to share, to give. So being, we need to be around the right people because they have the ability to awaken things in us, to see things in us that we didn't see in ourselves. Number five, read it out loud. We have a part in developing the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You go to 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. See the laying on of hands there again? But what does he say? Fan into flame. It means to keep the fire alive, to kindle afresh. What he's doing is he's borrowing an analogy of where a fire has died out and there's embers, and they put more wood on, and how do you get the wood going? You start blowing on those embers, and it creates another fire. And the idea is there is the fan and the flame. Why? Because even though we function in spiritual gifts, sometimes they start to wane. And sometimes God says, you really could use another baptism in the Spirit. You think back in 1986, you got everything you needed. Nah, you didn't get it. If you go through the book of Acts, what you start to recognize is this. The church experienced repeated baptisms in the Holy Spirit. We got people who are trying to decide whether it's for them or not, and God says, well, that's all right. I got a bunch of them for you. You see the church repeatedly being baptized in the church. So you can't say, well, I've already got that. Well, you probably need it again. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. And the challenges of today may be different than the challenges of last year. So I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need another infilling to address the challenges today that I didn't know I was going to be having a year from now. But life has a way of dampening our fervor, our excitement. And God says, then fan into flame. It's time to come back and say, whatever you did for me a year ago, I sure could use that again. Again, again, again. Listen, it's a journey. It's not so much a destination. Yeah, we believe that one day we'll pass through death's door and we'll be in eternity. But here on this planet Earth, we are more on a journey. And every part of our journey needs a refreshment. I don't know about you. I don't get into the vehicle when we go on vacation and say, did you go to the bathroom? You got all the food and everything? We're not stopping until we get there. It's 1,100 miles, man. How many know you got to pull over and get refreshed? That's, that's some Christians, man. They're, like, they're locked in. You're like, this is a lousy trip you have. Our walk is the same way. We're on a journey. We need to pull over, get refreshed, get renewed. Last thing is this. Number six, read it out loud. We are to guard our attitude in regards to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, look at this. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Y'all starting to see the hands again? There's more of that in there than you think, and then you go, oh, yeah. God can activate things in your life just by people laying hands on you and praying for you. But notice the word neglect. It means to make light of, to be careless of. This is where American Christianity is. Most people will say, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I know it's in there. 
What about Europe? Yeah, not for me. Really? I'd say the majority of Christians in America make light of it. Just enough to say that they believe in it, but not enough that they're expected to do anything with it. And I come back to, and how's it going in culture today? How's living a powerless faith changing our nation? It's not. Listen, there are a lot of good people in our country. You're good people. I think I'm good. Okay, laughter is not amen. Okay, all right, all right, okay. We got a lot of, there's, I believe there's a, I think there's more good people in this nation than people are giving credit. The problem is we're not living powerful lives. There's a difference between living a preservation lifestyle and just trying to hold on. And then there's living that says, you know, I've had enough of darkness messing with my family. I've had enough of darkness messing with my friends. I've had enough of darkness messing up my community. And it's not about taking a swing at people. Because it tells us that there are forces in heavenly realms. You can't, the only way to take a swing at evil forces in the heavenly realms is with the Holy Spirit. It would be easy if we could just get them right in front of us, you know, and grab them by the collar. But it's not a flesh and blood fight. It's the spirits that play people. You've got to address the evil that is motivating them. That makes them think that this is the way. That they need to change and have new beliefs and all those kinds. He's like, no! But I can't take a swing at darkness with my hands. But I can take a swing at darkness with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, don't make light of it. In other words, yeah, yeah, but I believe, but I'm not enough that I have to get any skin in the game. Oh, you got skin in the game. Because if you believe in that but don't act on it, you are the enemy's prime target. The enemy would love to mess with people who don't think they have to fight back. Easy. Go after them, go after their family, go after their health, go after everything because they're not convinced they have to fight back through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is easy. And I say, no, not in my life and not in the family and the, and the associates that I have in my life. No way. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it comes back to this. How eager am I? to engage the giftings of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about convenience. We're talking about necessity. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet as we wrap up the service today. And as they play the music, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm asking all of us to lift our hands, and here's what I want you to out loud be asking for in the next couple of minutes, not 30 seconds, couple of minutes. God, wherever I'm at on the spectrum of the Holy Spirit, increase my participation in it. Increase it. I 
what what you have for my life. Come on, everybody, lift your voice. I'm going to shut off my mic because I'm going to ask, God, wherever I'm at, just increase it. I want, I want to go and get a momentum greater than whatever I have. Come on, all of us, lift your voice now. 